0: Flying Coach is back for a second season. Peter Schrager and Rams head coach Sean McVay are joined by guests from around the sports and entertainment world. They're discussing the latest NFL news, telling stories from their careers, and breaking down games from their unique perspectives. Check out Flying Coach Season 2 on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy.
2: Welcome to the Ringer NBA show. I'm Kevin O'Connor, joined here today by Jay Kyle, man, following the Bucks 123-119 game five win on the road over the Suns to take a 3-2 series lead. Kyle, it felt like at one point it was going to be a big Suns blowout, 16-point lead in the first quarter. It feels like at one point it's going to be a huge Bucks blowout. And then it gets tight at the end and we got a really good game down the stretch. That was fun to watch, man. I loved it.
0: Incredible game. I mean, a lot of fortitude on both sides to not go away and to come back. We, yeah, like you said, we had a lot of lead shifts and changes. Um, you know, the Bucks fought back from that big deficit early. We had big shots. We had big miss shots. Um, it, it was, it was sort, it was sort of a, a Shakespearean play there towards the end. It, it's amazing. If that one had ended with like a game winner or something, that would have gone down as a pretty memorable finals game. Not that it won't anyway, but yeah, really entertaining. A lot of drama. Heck of, a, heck of a gutsy performance by Milwaukee.
2: No doubt about it. And we have to start on that Milwaukee side with Drew Holiday. 27 points, 13 assists, only two turnovers, and three steals. He had two of the steals are going to stick in my mind for a long time. In the third quarter, he had the on-ball steal against Devin Booker, then took a pull-up three in transition. And in the final minute of the game, helping off ball on a drive by Devin Booker, strips the ball, Giannis runs the floor, and he throws the alley-oop to him for the dunk. Holiday, both ends of the court, all those Eric Bletso comparisons from games <laughs> one and two feel like such a distant memory, Kyle. Holiday was extraordinary. Tonight. I mean, what a freaking performance of both ends.
0: Big balls. I, that's the only thing I, that comes – I mean, like those plays that he made, that one three that he took after he just straight-up ripped Booker, I was, I was just stunned that he had the the stones to take that. And he nailed it, yeah. And then the the uh, presence of mind, you know, the refs aren't gonna necessarily call a foul like that every time, uh, in a situation like that. I mean, he kind of forced them to make a call. Uh, he he got a little bit of wrist, a little bit of hand on that swipe down when he came over weak side to steal that from Booker. But yeah, when he when he threw that lob to to Giannis, I almost thought he threw it over the cylinder. Like it almost looked like he threw it into the cylinder. <laughs> And uh, when he did that, I stood up. uh, I stood up in my office. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, he's he's, just—he's—he's been so up and down with his approval in these playoffs. I feel like you know, in terms of like we were we were lauding him for for being underappreciated, and then we were dinging him for not showing up. But man, he is—he's really, really answered the bell uh, throughout these playoffs. Like you said, I mean, thirteen assists tonight. The creation from him has been huge. You know, gigantic.
2: He was extraordinary, and it didn't start out well either, though, because he had the two early fouls. Bud took him out of the game around, like, the 640 mark of the first quarter, down five points, and at that moment, I'm thinking this to myself, Kyle, is Bud making the right decision here? Should he be riding with Drew Holiday the rest of the first first quarter when Phoenix is looking good offensively, and then the lead balloons to 16? And I'm thinking, oh, no, (laughs) big mistake. Like, that's going to be one of the things we're talking about after the game, but – It kind of worked out because bringing Drew Holiday back late in the first quarter and then into the second quarter, he was feasting during that stretch when Aiton was out of the game, getting to the rim with ease, hitting jump shots, and continuing to play elite defense as he has through the entire series. And that just didn't stop through the entire rest of the game. It was just from after the two fouls early on, it was a dominant performance. And I watched this guy. And obviously the Bucs gave up a lot for him, multiple first round draft picks. And at the time, you know, it's worth it to get Giannis to resign and to get this player who is a very good player. But for a long time, people talk about, well, guard defense, you know, how important is it at peak levels in the postseason when offensive players are so hard to stop? When it's so hard to stop a guy like a Damian Lower, a Stephen Curry, a Chris Paul, a Devin Booker, Drew Holiday is showing the value in it, like he is making life really hard on Chris Paul when he's defending him primarily, and then anytime he's on Booker, it's way harder on Booker
0: yeah he's his hands are just so he has those like lanky strong hands that if you get and he's like deceptively strong like that's a big thing too is that like drew can take bot can absorb body bumps in a way that's not like demonstrative so like it's not going to be as conducive to fouls which means he he can play more physical and he still has a lot of foot speed whereas pj has that quality but pj still is a little slower you know um and, and can't recover as quickly um yeah i mean i mean it it's important throughout it it's Guard, guard defense obviously is always important. Uh, you you make a lot of good points here though. Like the shot making throughout this game, that's kind of what some of these playoff games come down to. It's like the schemes can, can gridlock at some point. Both of these teams that reach this level obviously are executing at a high level, uh, and it comes down to shot makers. Um, and I thought you know Booker and and CP three made their fair share. Uh, CP three had some incredible shots. That one where he went to the baseline and uh, shot that fade just straight up. I mean CP three is like six feet tall that's an incredible shot that he hit um but yeah i mean i agree holiday has redeemed himself in the in the in these last well tonight and these last couple games he's been uh he's been phenomenal
2: and you mentioned shot making chris middleton as well you know he had another massive game for the bucks 29 points 23 shots five assists hit that massive step back three late in the fourth quarter extend the lead from five to eight and you mentioned how sometimes Kyle. The offenses can get a little bit stagnant at times. You know, when you go a lot of pick and roll, sometimes that can happen. But I do like how the Bucks are utilizing Giannis as a screener. Thirty-two points for him tonight, six assists, zero turnovers. I like the Middleton Giannis pick and roll that tends to lead to good results. And for all three of those guys—Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday—there was a great stat uh, that ESPN tweeted out tonight. Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton are the fifth trio in NBA finals history to each record 25 points on 50% shooting in a game they're the first to do it since James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson in 1985. Yeah. That stat kind of just sums up what we saw from the three of them clicking all on the same night at the same time. Like this is it's hard to beat the Bucks when they have Giannis It's really, really challenging to beat the Bucs when you also have Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday just going off. Is there anything the Suns can do to slow these guys down, or is it just the nature sometimes of their games? They are streaky shooters. It doesn't matter what the defense is doing. They're going to be on or they're going to be off.
0: They had a lot of success in like dribble pull-ups out of the pick and roll in like that third quarter span. I didn't write down the time. I mean, that's insanely difficult to do if they're going to drop there. Like, you know, the Bucks were kind of hunting for their mismatches. If CP3's in the game, that's always going to kind of be a trade-off. I mean, Middleton's one of the best dribble pull-up shooters in the game. Then you have one of the best hard rollers. I mean, or you know, I think Giannis is one of the best downhill penetrators at his size ever and you got to contend with that that's always something that can collapse your defense and yeah then and then when uh if drew is getting to the rim or drew's hitting shots if they're functioning on all cylinders like that um they're insanely tough to stop i, I don't those things are so they're not like scheme dependent so much as they are just sort of these forces that that can kind of take place at any, any time in the offense, whether it's in like the secondary part of the offense or late clock, they also have shot makers, late clock. Um, I think the other thing that's important that I had written down here was just that, you know, this Milwaukee uh, um, big three is legitimately two way when they have it going. Like yeah. if they or if they have it going offensively um, they're just really, really tough to stop. And the shot making, when they're hitting shots, man, uh, they are a legitimate, I know that we've kind of talked about how, you know, there are some, who who here is really like a worthy title team in any other given year. But I mean, they are, they are like a historically tough team when they're playing the defense that they've been playing and hitting shots like that. So, I mean, some of those things are, it's going to be, it's going to be really tough for Phoenix to to game plan for for some of the just primary things that, that Milwaukee throws at them. And that's kind of what I expected going into the series, to be
2: honest. What you just said reminded me of, well, it made me think of the Philadelphia 76ers. And we've seen the Bucks now reach the finals up 3-2. They're on the doorstep of winning it all. The Sixers have fallen short every year with the Joel Embiid Ben Simmons core. And I'm just thinking about how you have this dominant interior presence in Giannis, and the formula we're seeing here is – perimeter shot makers and Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton who sometimes they go off, sometimes they don't, but they're good. They're very very good players overall on the offensive end and Drew Holiday is an elite defender. Like the Bucks found the way to build around an elite interior player and Giannis the Sixers haven't, you know, like the Bucks have done a good job. And I think credit needs to be given where it's due here with the way in which the Bucks have constructed the roster around Giannis. Especially with spacing in today's NBA, this is how you do it. And for this Bucks team, they're getting that two-way play. The Suns aren't necessarily always getting that. You know, you mentioned Chris Paul earlier, Kyle, and I, I feel weird saying this because he has 21 points. He has 11 assists and only one turnover, but it, it's just, it doesn't, feel like chris paul is 100 right now he only played 35 minutes there's so many instances in which where i don't find him attacking with the with the same level of aggression as he did earlier in the playoffs and of course you know he's dealing with a wrist injury uh he was out for two games with like the health and safety protocols he uh like historically has had some lower body injuries of course earlier in the postseason without was out I, even though the stats look good, and he had some magnificent moments, as you said, with some of those mid-range jumpers are just unbelievable. I still don't feel like Chris Paul is all the way 100%. Do you agree with me about that? Or am I seeing things here? He,
0: I think it's it's a combination of things. I don't know that it's necessarily one thing. He, they, they're defending him pretty damn well they uh, are. in the, in they the mid are. range. I mean, that's, that's another part of it. And, and also, I mean, he's not really, he hasn't been a rim attacking guy for a while. I mean, he, he really does live on getting you into that mid range and manipulating you with his, you know, step back, sidestep kind of stuff. Um, he doesn't totally look right. I mean, he only had one turnover. Um, you know, so I, I guess he's not hurting you on that front necessarily, 11 assists in this game. Um, I, I was really interested. I had a question I wanted to ask you about Giannis. So, you know, we, we love talking about development, and uh, Giannis is only 26 years old still. He may have turned 27. That's just what uh, B Ball reference said. But um, do we think that Giannis in these playoffs has sort of hit a turning point? Because it definitely seemed like he was obsessed with like, I have to expand my game to the perimeter in order to become a, you know, a dynamic enough superstar to be like truly unstoppable. I feel like we've seen a shift from him of really embracing the idea of creating offense through screening, through like getting rid of the ball, early offense. You could kind of see him doing that tonight. Um, What what have you observed on that front? Are you seeing similar things from him?
2: I'm 100% with you, and with Giannis, it's the type of thing. What I was thinking about tonight watching is a lot of all-time great players figured this out, how to conserve energy throughout the game and explode in the fourth quarter. Giannis was very much pass-first, and he did have moments of exhaustion where he did look tired, to be fair, over the first three quarters. But he was largely pass-first, like you said, creation through screening, through playmaking, and he stepped up his aggression in the fourth quarter as well. With his attacking mentality, he was able to run the floor hard on that Drew Holiday lob opportunity. And I think that is shows shows a sign that he's seasoned. He is figuring things out and how to play 40 plus minutes in the playoffs. I mean, this is something that weeks ago during the playoffs, we're talking, is Bud gonna play Giannis more than 35, 36 minutes? Well, yeah, <laughs> he is gonna start doing it. And Giannis is figuring out how to dominate over the course of those 40 plus minutes. And that is something all the great players you hope figure out at some point is how to sustain elite play while also playing more than you ever usually do. Is that where you sort of come from as well on your thought about the evolution that we're seeing during this postseason with Giannis?
0: Yeah. And I, I think it's sort of a broad conversation about like what stars do as they add to their bag, as they go through their career. I know I just feel like the the thing that we, and it could be just sort of the public discourse is just misguided on this, but I feel like with, superstars a lot of times they'll add a facet of offense of like self-created offense now I still think that Giannis should shoot 10,000 followers uh this summer that's always been the shot that I, that I want him to master because I feel like he would be unstoppable but um he's sort of not totally doing it that way because I, I feel like he was stubbornly be having this like this I don't mean bipolar in like the mental illness way I mean like th- this dual pole thing where he was like saying I have to either do this mode of offense or this mode of offense and he's sort of relaxed on that I feel like that dual dualities. Uh, duality is I guess a b- better word for it I'm um, focusing I like-
2: on one of them you mean like he's all downhill now he's not worried about shooting threes
0: well he's he is he is still embracing his downhill potency but he's not saying like either I'm going downhill or I'm going to pull up like he was doing that even in these playoffs and I I was ready to like throw my remote through <laughs> my TV. I know a lot of people were, and I, I feel like he's eased up on that and embraced what what screening, um, what getting rid of the ball early in the offense can do for the Bucks offense because we saw it over and over again when he would ram his head into the wall it's just like no one's moving when he does that the defense is set when he gets rid of it early and you saw them late in this game uh, they were running primary offense where they would run through these wrinkles and it would end with Giannis catching it at the elbow with with some space to attack, you know, because Ayton is going from focusing on these first few actions, whether it be like a dribble handoff or something. So his eyes are moving. And then okay, the end of the play here is Giannis catches it with, with a step on him going to the rim. And that's where he's at his best, you know, as, as opposed to him catching it early clock or in transition and just being like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ram my head into the wall and get to the basket. It's it's just changed up the way he attacks. Uh, and made him more effective. I mean, he's he's been tremendous, but he did look very tired <laughs> throughout <Yeah>. this game.
2: <laughs> he did, but he still managed to dominate. And I, you know, you also have to give credit to that Bucks coaching staff for evolving and putting Giannis in some positions to succeed as well. But with Monty Williams, Kyle, <laughs> with him, I feel like we mentioned earlier, Chris Paul getting only thirty-five minutes. Devin Booker had a stretch in that first half where he sat six minutes straight. And the Suns couldn't generate any offense at all. And it's, I, I know it might sound silly to say Booker played 42 total minutes in the game. But are we at the point here in the finals when you're down 3-2 that come game six, one of the slight and easy adjustments for Monty Williams here is to just play Devin Booker, who had 40 points tonight on 33 shots more, and to play Chris Paul, assuming there's nothing wrong. We don't know that there's anything wrong more than 35 minutes in a must win game six that feels like a given to me uh, and i'm curious about your thoughts on that that has to be an adjustment
0: uh if you're gonna go for it on on that front now's the time i mean phoenix yeah yeah i mean both of these franchises have existed since uh the 68 69 season nice and they've been around for a while so <laughs> and and um you know, the Bucks won a title early on with Kareem and with Big O and Bobby Dandridge and all those fellas, but it's been a long time. So, I mean, now's the time to not be conservative. You know, you might as well go for it. Well, I'm sure Chris Paul is ready to freaking die out there. So, I mean, no <laughs> I'm sure that he's willing to just put it all on the line. now. No no,
2: no load management in the playoffs, please, not in the finals. No, no not not at this point. Don't let that happen.
0: You know, who knows if these teams are going to be back here? I don't, it's it's always – you have to think about that because sometimes you assume you're going to be back and maybe you won't be because things can, things can play out a certain way. So it's kind of – I don't think this need, that would need to be imparted on these players. They're they're going full bore, full for sure. tilt here. Um, interesting too though, I mean, uh, just some role players that I thought played really well. I mean, I thought Pat Connaughton, I've, I've kind of given him some spot praise here throughout this series. I mean, four for six from three, 14 points.
2: He had a great game, man. He had some tip out opportunities too, where even if he didn't get the offensive board, he was there, and he and he tried to create an opportunity, little stuff like that that goes beyond the box score that never goes in as anything. That energy is contagious. Bobby Portis too, right? Yeah. Bobby po- like Kyle, I have an announcement to make here. I'm a member of the Bobby Portis <laughs> fan club. I am. He's he's tough, dude. I know. I know he's not like a a great player. And sometimes he makes mistakes, like in the first half. Jeff Van Gundy said Bobby Portis needs to be more disciplined on defense because he went for steals twice and he missed. But I feel like the decision to go for those steals comes from a place of like trying to be a defensive playmaker. And in the third and in the second half, he did get one. He got a he did get a pick six opportunity. So his aggression is part of the quality that defines the Bucks and what's making it harder on the Suns' offense and. I love Portis's contagious energy. I love the, just the the eyes and the intensity. I, <laughs> I, I love I love him. He's a gamer. I'm a Bobby Portis fan. Kyle,
0: does do you do you think that he was the hardest boss on the Game Cuphead, or was there was there a harder one? I th- <laughs> he's. Have you played that game?
2: <laughs> I, I I don't know if I am getting the right reference here.
0: Kevin and I struggle with our references. Yeah, we, yeah. Just Google that one, Kevin, and it'll make sense to you. He looks like a villain from Cuphead because this his he just okay, has wrong, this cartoonish wrong,
2: wrong definitely reference in my head.
0: <laughs> yeah. He has this just this just like cartoonish intensity. Uh but no, I mean I, I think I said this to Justin Verrier the other night that like I, I think every good team needs to have just this fire that this sort of uncontrollable fire that you sort of throw out there at different times, like you, like, and I, I've said, you know, it can burn the other team down or it can burn you down. But it's good to have it. It's good to have it during those stretches where you need a pick me up. Or see, there we go. Look at that. That's a <laughs> that flowers are good one. Anyway, yeah. I mean, Con. Back to Conantin briefly, but like this is going to be the, the white guy cliche thing, but like he, he's just a great one step jumper. It's like a great job for him. He can make open threes and he's really athletic. And I was going to ask you, this guy could have been in the MLB and he's an NBA yeah. player. Was he just, was he just like an athletic God in high school? Can you imagine that guy? He would be, he'd be like, Oh, there's Pat Jonathan. And I hate that guy. <laughs> he's good at everything. Uh, Anyway, but yeah, yeah, uh, he, he played well. We got seven minutes from Jeff Teague that were s- fairly inconsequential. <laughs> say Connaughton, too. Can you say P- Connaughton in the most Bostonian way possible? Say it for me. For me.
2: Pat Connaughton.
0: Okay, that Connaughton great. guy. <laughs>
2: Jesus so, that, Christ. That, that, that's uh, that, that's the, the guy selling tickets outside of TD Garden. Yeah. Oh, okay. That, that's the, okay. That's this very specific Boston impression. Uh, but with Pat Connaughton, prior to the draft, Kyle, I had him in one of my iterations of my big board ranked in like 40s or 50s. I forget exactly. And, of course, he was drafted 41st in 2015. But I had a GM call me about my rankings that year. And he says to me, he tells me who I'm too high on, who I'm too low on. And, like, he was wrong about plenty, right about plenty. Pat Connick, and he says to me, this dude should be a top 20 pick. He's like this guy's this guy's going to be a player for a long time. With the like everything we're talking about tonight, I remember that GM saying to me like I thought about that while watching the game when he went for that tip rebound that I mentioned where he didn't get it. That it popped into my head, the memory of it because like he's not a great player and like he's not even for that matter a great shooter. He's 35% from three for his career, only 37% this year. He's not a knockdown 45% guy, but the dude's a gamer. Like I said with Bobby Portis, he just makes plays. He brings energy. This is exactly the type of guy that you want to surround Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday with. as guys like Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton, and of course, PJ Tucker being you know the guy who symbolizes that type of attitude with what he brings. just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to visible at visible.com and use promo code ringer 20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit visible.com. The visible monthly rate is $25 per month. You know, just watching these bucks in the finals, it's been up and down at time, depending on the performance of Drew Holiday or the performance of a Chris Middleton when they can be streaky. But the roster makes sense, and that's why they're here, and that's Mm -hmm. why they're up 3-2 in the finals against another team in the Suns that's constructed very, very well. The Suns are a great team besides the backup center spot. Is there any chance here that this Suns team, down 3-2, having to go on the road now in Milwaukee, really tough to play there, man. Like Deer District outside, they're going to bring that energy into the arena for Game 6. How do you feel about Phoenix's chances at – at least forcing a game seven, Kyle.
0: I mean, it's, it's definitely possible because this series has been so competitive and you, and you have, it's always possible that we've, we don't want to, we shouldn't get misled by the streakiness of the play. Like that it has streaked in a good direction for, for Phoenix. But another thing to consider too, is, um, Brutal production from the foul line tonight. I mean, Middleton didn't get to the line tonight, but Gian- I had a moment there where I was just like, "Man, is this Giannis has played so well? Is this what we're going to remember that he blew these free throws?" Four at the of end eleven of this? for the game. Jesus, so, yeah, yeah, really, really tough. I mean, it- it's definitely possible. I mean, they-, they could they could get a little bit more out of Aiton. They could get a little bit more out of Bridges. Um, you know, the perimeter players didn't get going as much tonight, but I- I- it it could happen. I-, I I guess the question is, do you think that? Um, do you think that there's anything that Phoenix can do to, to sort of spread the offense out a little bit to get everybody involved more? Or is this just the way that they're built and Milwaukee has kind of figured them out in a way? I mean, quote-unquote, heavy quote-unquote, figured them out because Phoenix almost stole this game tonight. But they've clearly done enough to bother them um, to make it, make it more difficult. I mean, uh, you and I both picked Phoenix. I picked them in six. I did
2: too in six, yep. Um.
0: I don't know. I'd throw it back to you. What, do, you do you see anything that uh, that, that could that they could exploit or maybe they could tweak or adjust it's or attack? Cr- it's Chris
2: Paul, I think. I mean, I don't think he's right. I don't think he's 100%. The Chris Paul that we saw to close the series against the Clippers, 24 shots in that final game, 41 points. The Chris Paul we saw to start the series, 30 point, 32 points on 19 shots in game one, 23 shots on the 20 shots in game two. And emphasis on the amount of shots, 24, 19, and 20. Since then, 14, 13, and 15. I want to see Chris Paul playing 40-plus minutes, and I want to see Chris Paul taking 20-plus shots. I mean, like, I do think it's important to spread the love and, you know, get some creation from everywhere if you can. But you got to have Chris Paul at maximum efficiency, at maximum production on the offensive end. And you didn't get that in terms of scoring tonight. Again, like I know it's weird to say when he had 21 points and 11 assists and only one turnover, but just watching the game, I don't feel like he's there all the way like we just saw him. And that's partially due to Drew Holiday, 100%. Mm-hmm. But as it's you said, Kyle, it's a tough matchup. But as you said, like he is hitting some extraordinary shots still. Like I yeah. want to see more of it from him. Is it fair? Yeah, to I mean, ask? is that fair?
0: I think that's pretty yeah. fair, Kevin. I don't think six. you're out of line for saying that at all in that game six of the only finals that he may ever yeah. play in. I mean, for for all we know, you know. I mean, looking at the wings too, you know, Mikael Bridges was five for six and campaign was uh campaign was three for seven, Cam Johnson two for three. Cam Johnson only twenty-one minutes tonight. I mean, those guys shot well. It just seems like Campaign um was involved. They've done a good job keeping him from really uh, his his like offensive production like swelling and really swinging the, the game. It seemed like it just seemed like there was a real lid on that. And, and you know, Milwaukee has like the switchable length to that that isn't as easily exploitable. So I mean, I, I could see how that happened, but or maybe campaign just got hot and he's kind of cooled off a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit of both here. But they they've done a good job putting a cap on that. Yeah, he did
2: have that ankle injury in Game Three of the Clipper series. And his offense, like that was one game after he had the 29 points performance when everybody was talking Mm -hmm. about Cameron Payne and the the great story that he is, because he's been great all season long. I wonder how much that ankle injury could be affecting him, um, if at all, or if he's just pressing in the in these high pressure moments here. Uh, I do wonder which one it is, but he's another guy that needs to be better. you got to get more out of your backcourt. Uh, you, are you going to change your prediction for the series, Kyle? Like, obviously, it can't be Suns and you Six. You don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. No, no, no. You don't get so, to do that.
0: I'm sticking with it, man. I said up top that I expected the uh, – I expected uh, Milwaukee to exploit or to have some of these advantages in their big three. Uh, I mean, that's not that's sort of a flip floppy thing to say. I mean, I did expect them to give problems, but I still expected Phoenix's sort of cohesive um, fluidity and strength as a unit to, to be the thing that would put them over the top. But man, stars make a big difference in this game. And, you know. Milwaukee has three guys that can create theirs consistently and Phoenix at a high level and Phoenix has pretty much two. And it's it's interesting in the next few years how this is going to shake out, like how these young players um, are going to develop because if they can get development, like creation development, I heard Mikhail Bridges talking on the the old man in the, th- or no, it was on the uh, the long shot podcast, good podcast. I was hearing him talk about his own development and that's something that he really wants to do. You did a great video about that. I mean, that's going to be huge for the Suns going forward. I don't know that they're going to get those kind of leaps in the short term unless they, like, touch the obelisk from 2001 and just, like, leap forward in, in, the, in their knowledge. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Suns just uh, – sometimes it comes down to stars and creation, honestly. That's, that's kind of the funny thing about basketball.
2: One last question here, and I'm also curious for everybody who listened to us record this live on Green Room on late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, depending on your time zone. Um, Is there anything from this series or the overall finals, Kyle, that you've taken and thought about it in terms of the context of the NBA draft? This might be our last pod during the finals um, because there won't be a Game 7 next Saturday. Um, But uh, So I'm just curious about, has you learned anything or is there any player in particular that has made you think about a certain prospect or a theme or a skill that you might be looking for in the NBA draft? What have we learned about how teams are going to build moving forward, I guess?
0: I don't know how much has really changed. I mean, you, you want, you obviously want to look for big time shot creators who can, who can, you know, flip their gravity and get rid of the ball and create. Um, You obviously want to have shot makers. We've seen those guys have an impact on these series. Um, Just, just having switchable, Big players who have, like, switchable length but also are strong. If you notice, that's something yeah. about the Milwaukee players that's important. Um, lanky strength um, is important. You know, Giannis has that. Uh, they they all can kind of sw- – gosh, I mean, like, there, there are times where Drew can check fives. I mean, he's so strong. He can't, like – he can't, like, body and, like, stop like a post-up. But sometimes he can. Uh, it's – that's important. So, I mean – You know, shot making and defensive versatility. I think those things have been true for the last few years. I don't know that anything has like seismically shifted on that front for me. Has anything for you?
2: No, not really. I mean, I I think a couple of things uh, in the chat. Matthew M said drafting older players doesn't seem as bad. Of course, we've seen that with somebody like Cameron Johnson. It never was. It never was. It never was. It never was. It was always just a thing that, you know, people have said. And maybe you won't draft them high over some of those younger higher upside prospects, but it's really nice to have a quality player at a rookie deal, you know, cause Cameron Johnson would be getting paid 12, 15 plus million dollars if he hit the open market this offseason. And Matt W said, draft the bloke that can get you a bucket. And that has me <laughs> thinking about one guy that I'm going to be ranked. I'm going to have ranked much higher than I think I've seen anywhere else. And can I guess then, take a guess.
0: It's it's one of a few people. It's is it Bones Highland? No. Or is it uh, is it? Uh, let's see. Is it Trey Mann? No. Nope. Is it uh, Book Night?
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, I do have Book Knight higher than I did in my past rankings. But the guy I'm thinking about is Cam Thomas out of LSU. He's a okay. he, yeah.
0: He, he's the, a, the guy he's that a, I bumped from the first round the other day.
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, we all did. <laughs> I, I, I but like with Cam Thomas, that dude's a bucket man. He's a he bucket. Is. He can score from anywhere, hand in his face, get to the rim. I don't know. Like he, like I, I think about, can this guy play in this series in two years, three years? Oh, yeah. That, that's a good question to ask yourself when it comes to draft prospects. But we'll be doing some more draft prospect stuff in the coming weeks, Kyle. You get a video you're working on about Jalen Green. Big breakdown about that. Are you working on anything else around the draft or around the finals?
0: Um, not specifically around the finals of the draft, but I have another I have another longer thing that I've been working on for a while that's going to come out, hopefully, Ooh. you know, right after the draft um, about a pretty legendary player okay. that is still in the league right now. Okay. Cough Kevin Durant. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: Not a secret. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, not a secret, really. I said it on Twitter anyway, but yeah, those are the two things I've been doing, but uh, watch us. We're going to be doing a lot of draft coverage yeah, coming definitely. up and talking about the draft.
2: Lots but. of draft coverage coming up, but of course, we have at least one more finals game Kyle I'm looking forward to game six next week I'm thinking we're going to get a seven here we're going to get a game seven that'll be our prediction it, we're going to get a game an, seven
0: man both of these teams are playing their asses off mm-hmm. like it is not that they don't typically in the finals but this has just been fun to watch Two two franchises that haven't been here in a while two fan bases that are like legitimately like not, not well I won't say that but I mean uh, about other fan bases but they're just uh, they're passionate fan bases and they love basketball and it's been fun to observe for me and uh, yeah I'm I hope we get a game seven yeah I really do because this series kind of deserves it these teams deserve uh, historically this deserves that drama yeah. I think
2: no doubt about it I I hope we get it like you said players playing hard DeAndre eight in forty five minutes grinding defending Giannis it's been a lot of great performances individual games great moments the holiday to Giannis lob. I, I hope we get two more games of that. I hope we get two thrillers. That's what I want. Two thrillers, Kyle. Um, but this was fun. Kyle, uh, good chatting with you on this Saturday night, man.
0: Always, man. Always. Let's do it again.
2: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Ringer NBA show. And thank you to Carlos for producing it. If you like the show, please be sure to share it with your friends. And also be sure to subscribe to the Ringer NBA show. We'll be having live green room recordings of the NBA finals. So we'll have one after game six, and then there'll be another one potentially after game seven. And I'll also be recording the, the mismatch with Chris Vernon on Tuesday night and Thursday night this coming week. And Jake Kyle will have a video coming out, I believe either next week or the week after I'm looking forward to seeing that. Thank you again, everybody for listening. Hope you have a fun rest of your weekend.